How are you out there this morning? Amen. So we're in Galatians chapter 5. We got your Bible with you today. You can turn there if you're looking on your phone or maybe you just memorized the whole thing. I don't know. But Galatians 5, we're going to be reading verses 16 through 25. We're in our sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit. We looked at a couple of the fruits of the Spirit. And uh, we're going to continue in that study, God willing. Today we're going to talk about peace. Can anybody use some peace? Amen. I remember we were just on vacation, and a lot of people wait to go on vacation and say, I'm going to get some peace. My dad used to say, I can't wait to go home and go back to work so I can rest. <laughs> but uh, peace is a, a powerful gift that comes from the Lord. Let's... Uh, Get in Galatians 5. I'm going to read you the entire text. You're going to hear the, uh, not only the fruit of the Spirit listed, but the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh come easy without even trying. And when you hear the list, you'll be like, yep. But the, the fruit of the Spirit takes the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Amen? So we're thankful for the working of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask today that you do work in us, that these things that are contrary to our sinful nature, uh, that don't come easy to us, would be worked into us because we are born again and we're redeemed and we belong to you. So work in us these things, this peace that we talk about today. Help us to understand what it really is and to see the fruit of it in each of our lives. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Galatians 5, starting in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the desire of the flesh is against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, in order to keep you from doing whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. Listen to this. Sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostilities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. How many think that list sounded like a Saturday night before you got born again? Those are easy. He says, these things of which I forewarn you, listen, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now listen to verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit as well. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. So there's two lists in there. We see the contrast between what comes natural to our flesh and the one that has to be worked into us by the Spirit. We covered love, and we did it in two parts. Love is always the foundation. Love is number one. Amen. I want to get one of those big foam fingers that, you know, they wear. It says, love is number one. Well, maybe you're not excited about that, but they're like, okay, pastor, you need another vacation. So you... But love is always going to be number one, and we can't forget that. In fact, each one of these fruits that the Holy Spirit wants to produce in us is built off of love. 
We talked about joy. You can't have joy without love. Now we're going to talk about peace. You can't have peace without love. So we always default to this foundation of love. And love is where, uh, you know, when we walk in love, we can have joy. And when we walk in love and have joy, we can then experience peace. Now, keep in mind that all of these fruits of the Spirit compound and build off of one another, but love is the foundation. As we're looking at peace today and we explore that topic, we need to define what peace is, but by doing that, I want to kind of show what peace isn't. You know, sometimes the best way to define something is to show what it isn't, because a lot of times we think something is something that it's not. And a good example of that was joy. A lot of people think joy is happiness, and joy and happiness are two different things. Happiness depends on what's happening, but joy transcends what's happening. You, when things are not going your way, you can't be happy. But when things are flying apart and exploding and falling down all around you, you can still have the joy of the Lord. Come on, someone say amen. So let's understand peace. Let's get a working definition of it and start off by saying what it isn't. And I ask you these questions. Is peace that euphoric feeling you feel when everything's going our way and when we don't have a care in the world? Some people think peace is where, you know, those few brief moments or even seasons, if you're lucky, where everything's going our way and we don't have a care in the world. And the truth is that uh, while that sounds nice, the, the problem with that is that state of having everything going our way and not having a care in the world is something that actually doesn't exist in reality. If you live more than 15 minutes and if you've been born again longer than that, you know that there are trials and struggles and difficulties in life. That there are problems and people to deal with. And there is really, you know, no juncture at which, man, everything's going my way. There's nothing wrong. I got no problems. I, you know, all my, everything, everything's paid for. Everybody likes me. You know, I don't, no one's coming after me. You know, there's always something. There's always someone. And you thought, oh, I, I thought it was just me. No, it's not just you. It's all of us. And that, that, that place of everything perfect and no problems, that place doesn't exist. So that's not what peace is. Here's another one. Is peace some sort of state of spiritual enlightenment where we attain, you know, this uh, level of, you know, being one with the universe where we, we don't have any problems and, you know, uh, we've got this spiritual enlightenment where, you know, now we are at peace with the universe. Let me tell you something. The universe doesn't bring peace. Only the Prince of Peace brings peace. Spiritual knowledge doesn't bring peace. I know some people who, uh, you know, approach the Bible as a book and they're theologians and they know all the doctrines and everything, but they don't have a relationship with Jesus and they're miserable. Uh, here's a newsflash about the universe. The universe didn't die for your sins. The universe didn't rise again on the third day. The universe can't save you. You know, this kind of Eastern philosophy where I am one with the cosmos. No, you're not. It's, it's a fallacy. It's unattainable. It doesn't work. So is peace the byproduct of lowering our expectations? Some people approach life this way. Ah, just lower the bar. Lower your expectations. Don't expect too much out of life. 
And there again, it kind of gets into this, uh, you know, philosophy where, you know, uh, don't have anything material and don't embrace this world and just live a, an austere lifestyle, a Spartan lifestyle, and just, you know, don't have anything and you'll be free. You know, that kind of hippy-dippy 60s nonsense to where all those people that free this and free that and, you know, and now they're the people in charge of everything and they're raising your taxes and trying to, it's, cra- it's crazy. If you see, you know, if you see what the people of the 60s turned into now, why? Because they didn't even believe the philosophy they were peddling. You know, well, lower the bar, lower your expectations so you won't be disappointed. Lower your expectations of marriage and of people and of family and of churches. You can lower the bar till the bar is on the ground and you're still not going to have peace. Because inside each one of us, there's a God-shaped hole in our hearts that only he can fill. Amen? It's not about everything going our way. It's not about spiritual enlightenment. It's not about being one with the universe. It's not about lowering our expectations. Peace, in a biblical sense, is something much different. So peace can be hard to grasp. It can be hard to define. But let's get a definition here. Interestingly enough... I went to the dictionary for this one, and it's pretty powerful. In fact, Webster was a Christian, if you didn't know that, and every once in a while, the Holy Ghost must have got on him. But here's what he said about peace. This is the dictionary definition of peace. A state of tranquility or quiet, free from disturbances, oppressive thoughts or emotions, which with harmony in personal relationships. Now, that's a secular definition, but I want you to understand when you mix Jesus in with that, then it becomes a spiritual definition. You know, a state of tranquility and quiet that what? Comes from knowing Jesus. A state of being free from disturbances or oppressive thoughts and emotions that comes from a relationship with Jesus. A state of harmony in our relationships that comes from being in right relationship with Jesus. Jesus is the definition of peace. He is the key to peace. He is the prince of peace. If you know Jesus, you can know peace. But if you have N-O, Jesus, you have N-O, peace. Got it? Amen. So a a state of tranquility or quiet, free from disturbances, oppressive thoughts or emotions with harmony and personal relationships That's a pretty good definition when you mix Jesus in. Now, the late evangelist Billy Graham noted this about peace when he preached on the topic. It's made up of three components, much like the threefold chord, a chord of three strands, Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, you know, it's strong. And the strength of the chord comes when each one of the strands is healthy. So we're going to look at three strands of a threefold chord this morning that give us peace. Number one, the first strand of the chord is this. We need spiritual peace. If you're taking notes today, I encourage you to write that down, spiritual peace. You say, Pastor, what's that? That's peace between God and man. You and I need to have peace with our maker. In fact, probably you've heard the uh, people say before, you need to make peace with God. Or a preacher would ask you, have you made peace with God? Because until you and I have peace with our creator, we really can't have real peace in any other area. Because there's this thing in us that unless we're right with God, nothing else around us is going to be right. 
And so it's this spiritual peace. Now, you can come to church. You can, you know, say you believe. You can read your Bible. You can say amen at the right places, but be out of sync with God and not actually have a relationship with him, and, and you won't have peace. Each, of, each one of us need to individually connect with God and make peace with God. You say, what do we need to make peace with God over? It's peace with God over our sin. You see, all of us are sinners, You say, if you're here for the first time today, hi, I'm Pastor Rick. I'm a sinner saved by grace. What'd you learn about the church? That pastor's a sinner. Well, it's true. We're all sinners. All of us have a sin issue. Some of us have allowed Jesus to deal with our sin issue, and some of us are still trying to deal with it ourselves. But sin separates us from God. Sin is like a wall between us and God. God is a holy God. You heard it in the word this morning as our sister gave a word that God is holy and he wants us to be holy. Problem is, we can't be holy. Why? Because we're sinners. So we have an issue with sin that Jesus settled on the cross when he died in our place to break the power of sin in our lives. Amen. Until we come to him and give our lives to him, not just being religious, not playing games with God, but actually giving our lives to Jesus, we're going to have an issue with sin that separates us from God. And you can't have spiritual peace in such a situation. You and I won't find peace in any other relationship until we come to Christ. There's no real peace outside of Jesus. That's why he's called the Prince of Peace. And there's no real peace Jesus remedied our issue. Turn to your neighbor and say, I got issues. All the husbands and wives are like. (laughs) We've all got issues. Uh, Our issue with God is our sin. You say, well, it's terrible. I can't stop sinning. But God knew that, and that's why he sent Jesus to die in our place. It's so simple today. If you and I try and, oh, I'm just going to be better. I'm going to try harder. I'm not, I'm not going to do these things anymore. I'm not going to think these things anymore. I'm going to do my very best. And you get up in the morning, and by 8 o'clock, you blew it already. <laughs> I'm going to keep the commandments. By noon, you broke half of them. We need to make peace with God. We need spiritual peace in our lives. Jesus remedied the situation on the cross. He dealt with our issue of sin because he loved us so much. Listen to Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, see, we, we are just in the sight of God by our faith in Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. There it is. There's no peace outside of a relationship with Jesus. There's no spiritual peace with God with, with with, you know, rejecting Christ. We have to come through the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, including mine. We're justified by faith. We have peace with God through Christ. It's a very simple equation, yet there may be some of us here today that are still trying to settle the sin issue ourselves. I'll try harder. I'll do better. When God just wants us to tap out and quit and let him to, to that, old, that old cliche, let go and let God. That's where the peace is found. It comes through faith in Christ. It's a simple equation, yet multiplied millions of people miss it, and they miss God, and they're separated from God by their sin. Spiritual peace begins with us getting saved. You say, what what does that mean, getting saved? That means where we come to Christ, confess we're sinners, and receive him as Savior and Lord, then he saves us. 
we cannot be saved, uh, you know, by our good works. We cannot be saved by our church attendance. We cannot be saved by us trying to do our best. We've got to be saved through Christ, to walk in the Spirit, to have submission uh, to God and have fellowship with God. Only Jesus brokers that for us. So we need to make peace with God today, and Jesus is the one who brokered that for us. If you're on the outside looking in, I encourage you, at the end of my message, I'm going to give an opportunity to receive Christ, and that will change the trajectory of your life because if you come to him and allow him to erase your sins, you'll have relationship with God, and you'll have the first strand of the threefold cord. You will have peace with God that leads to peace in every other area. The second strand of the threefold cord is psychological peace. This is peace in the mind. How many understand? Well, I'm a Christian. I come to church. I read the Bible. Yet if your mind is plagued with fear and anxiety and doubt and unbelief, you're not going to have peace in your life. Psychological peace is not like peace with God, getting right with him. It's peace within. And that's what sometimes we have to look in to see why we don't have peace. You know, that term inner peace sounds almost mystical. Oh, we, I have inner peace. I'm one with the cause. I'm not going there. But really, we have peace from the inside out. And, and to have that, it's when our minds are right. What a priceless, precious gift it is to have peace. When you can go to bed at the end of the day and lay your head on the pillow and not be kept up by doubt, by worry, by anxiety, by frustration, by anger. Come on. Anyone ever just thank God for the peace that comes to our lives when we are right with him and you put your head on your pillow and you go to sleep? Man, that's a precious gift. There are so many people that don't know God, that are not right with him, that don't have a relationship with Jesus, and they struggle, and their minds are plagued. Have you ever been there before? Your mind was plagued, and the enemy was constantly dropping things in, and he, he would make you rehearse thoughts, and he would never leave you alone, and you had no peace. I want to say something about peace. If you're a Christian today... I can say this without fear of contradiction. Inner peace is available to every child of God. Inner peace is available to every child of God. Psychological peace. Your mind. I got issues. My mind is plagued. I don't have peace. Jesus died so that you could. Peace is available to every child of God today. It comes by way of prayer. It comes to us by the power of prayer. Listen to what Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, the apostle Paul speaking, he says this, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Listen to the result of doing that. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, that's a powerful text we need to unpack today. The first thing I want to say is this. It says, be anxious for nothing. And, and you know what? Sometimes that's as effective as telling an angry person to calm down. You know, next time someone's really angered and they're lathered up, say, you need to just calm down. See if that doesn't make things worse. Try that with your spouse, actually. Try that. And make sure to videotape it and post it on Facebook. But 
Be anxious for nothing. Okay, but, but, but how? Let your requests be made known to God. Are you aggravated? Are you bothered? Are you anxious? Do things afflict and plague your mind? Bring them to God. I want to ask you a question today. Are you talking to God? If you're not talking to God, if you're not bringing these things to God, then you're still trying to solve them yourself. And that's why I guarantee you don't have the peace that you could have. When we bring these things to God and we, we dump them at his feet and we let go and let God, I know it's a cliche, but it actually works. When we just bring these things to God, you know, there's a, there's a little quote that goes around. My wife has said it before. If you put everything in God's hand, soon you'll see God's hand in everything. That's where the peace comes from, amen. The problem is, is we don't want to hand our issues over to God. We want to, I'll, I'll fix it myself. I'll settle it myself. I'll medicate myself. I'll drink this and I'll smoke that and I'll make myself calm and feel better. I'll pop this pill. And you know what? It never works. The burden's too much. We can't deal with it ourselves. Jesus dealt with it on the cross. So we've got to bring it to God. We've got to let go of it. You know, sometimes we can sit in church forever and still not let go of our issues. Well, I don't want anyone to know. I don't want to admit it. I don't want, I'll just take care of it myself. And the devil lies. And all the time he uses that to rob our peace. Inner peace is available to us when we pray. We make our requests known to God. Look what it says. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. I like that. That means the peace that God gives us doesn't even make sense. You see, it, it surpasses the intellect then. It means that it, it doesn't work out on paper. I'm messed up. I'm broken. I got problems. I, I lack this. I lack that. But I have peace. That's the peace of God. Why? Because it's not dependent on the circumstances. It's not dependent on our performance. It's a gift that he gives us. That when we let go and we leave it at his feet and we leave it in our hands, he gives us peace that passes all understanding. A lot of us get caught up, well, I don't deserve to have peace. I've made a lot of bad choices and a lot of mistakes, and and I've chosen to sin a lot of times, so I don't deserve it. It's not about deserving it. It's about receiving it because it's a work of grace today that God wants to give you his peace. It passes all understanding. It doesn't make sense. It's from God. It's not from uh, what's happening around us. You know, it says here that this peace that God gives us that passes all understanding, it says it will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I want you to understand what's meant by that. You see, God actually secures the peace that he gives us. And here's how he, he does it, by guarding the two major breach points of our peace. Where is our peace breached? In our hearts and in our minds. What does the word say? God guards our hearts and our minds. Here's how it works. When our heart's divided, when our heart is after other things, when our heart is not fully submitted to God, when our heart is after passions and lusts that don't please God, our heart will rob our peace. When our mind is divided and we want to do kingdom things, but we want to do our own thing, or we want to do fleshly things, did you catch that there? There's a spectrum and our heart's divided and our mind's divided, that robs our peace. So what does God do? He comes in and when we let go and let God and put it in his hands, he guards our hearts. He guards our minds. Come on today. And he allows us to have this peace that he gives us as a gift sustained in our life. You and I need peace of mind. 
The world is coming unglued all around us. If you're paying attention, the, the signs of the times are accelerating. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. It's not a fairy tale. It's not fantasy land. I'm not saying this. I'm not saying this to just stir you. Jesus is coming back. It's time for us to be right with him, to have a relationship with him, to know Jesus. It's time for us to have that peace of mind. Why? Because as things get worse and as they come unglowed, those that don't have this peace are going to fall apart. The Bible says in the last days, men will desire, that they'll actually desire to die because things are so bad and that, you know, the, the wrath of God and the judgment of God, that people will seek death and not find it. Wow. Why is that? Because they chose to worship themselves or other gods or do their own thing and not give themselves to Christ. And now the judgment of God that rests on the world is destroying their idols. But you and I don't serve idols. You and I serve the living God, amen? And the peace of God will come to us. Peace of mind. Peace in our hearts. Sometimes we have to go to where the peace is. There are places where there's peace. Have you ever walked into an environment that was turmoil? Screaming and yelling and chaos? How easy is it to have peace in an environment like that? Screaming, yelling, noise, chaos, fighting. It sounds like home, right? You know? And, you know, you walk into that and you're like, wow. You, you might have been doing good and then all of a sudden you're like, ah. Sometimes we need to go to where the peace is. Jesus often got alone with the Father. He often went to the mountains. He often went to the wilderness. Listen to Luke 5. 14 through 16. Jesus is doing miracles. He's trying to keep a lid on him, but it's getting out and people are thronging him, big crowds. He, it says this in Luke 5, 14, and he charged him to tell no one. So he heals this man uh, and he says, go and show yourself to the priest and make the offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. Now listen to verse 15. However, the report went around concerning him all the more. The great multitudes came to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he, Jesus himself, often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Did you hear that? First, I want you to catch often. Jesus did this as a matter of practice. He often did what? Withdrew. You and I need to learn to withdraw ourselves. Not withdraw ourselves, you know, into sin or into, uh, you know, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to just, you know, medicate myself until I... No, that's the world's way. You and I need to withdraw ourselves and get alone with God. Why? Because sometimes we need to go to where the peace is, and the peace is in his presence, amen? Jesus knew enough that the people were thronging him. They wanted something from him, but no, he says... Now, look at this. Here's Jesus. He can heal the sick. He can cleanse the lepers. He can raise the dead. And, and he says, enough. And he taps out and he withdraws himself. Some of us don't know how to retreat. We only know how to charge. Go, go, go. Do, do, do. More, more, more. Oh, there's all these needs. I got to meet them. As a pastor, I learned a long time ago, I can't meet every need. And I can't be God to everyone. There's times where I have to withdraw myself. Why? Because I need to get recharged. Because I'm on empty. Anybody ever been on empty? 
Good, three people, praise God. But you got to go to where the peace is. You got to get alone. You got to get into his presence. You got to retreat. Jesus withdrew himself, and sometimes so do, so do we. Some of us need to just take a day off and get away from everybody and everything. Turn the phone off, turn the computer off, ignore the social media. When I was on vacation, there were days where I just left my phone in the, in the place we were staying, and I didn't hear anything all day. Some people are still calling me. Can you do this? Can you do that? Can you call that? No. No, I can't. I don't, I don't know if anyone remembers. In May, I, I died. Because I can't do everything. So I took... <laughs> you know, I took a little three-minute break there. And sometimes we all need to say, I can't. Let's practice something together. It's a word. It starts with an N and it ends with an O. Oh, you guys are sharp. This is a good group. Okay, so I want you to say this on the count of three. One, two, three. No. Hey, hey, that was the best response I've gotten in months. But uh, Jesus withdrew himself. And you might think, come on, Jesus, you're only here for a little while. These people are sick. They got leper. You know, they're falling apart. They're dying. They heal them all. That's not where the peace was. So find where the peace is and go there and get alone with God and let him recharge you. There'll be plenty of time for ministry. There'll be plenty of time for work. But we've got to make time for the presence of God because that's what gives us the psychological peace we need. Number three, the third strand of the cord is this, relational peace. You and I can't have peace with God and peace in our minds and all our relationships be completely out of whack. God made it so that we are, are relational, amen? If, you're, you know, if you love the Lord and you're in church every time the door's open, but your marriage is a disaster, you need to work on your marriage. If you love the Lord and you want to you know, do the ministry and, and be involved in all these things, but you, know, you haven't ministered to your family and all your close relationships are shallow and, 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 and a mess, you need to work on those. Because relational peace is important. There's a part of the scripture that tells us, you know, when we bring an offering and we come and we bring it and we have, we have an issue where we have ought against our brother, what, what did the word say? Leave your, leave your giving there. Go make peace with your brother. Go get right with each other. Why? Because this is a relational thing. The body of Christ is relational. Relational peace, unlike peace with our maker or peace within us in our minds. Relational peace happens with mankind, with our fellow man. Why should we bother to have peace with mankind? Because all of man mankind is made in the image of God. I've talked about this before. We're not all children of God, but we're all made in the image of God. I've heard preachers say, we're all children of God. No, only when we come to Jesus and get born again and have a relationship with God, we're born again. That's when we are a child of God, amen? But we are all made in the image of God. What does that mean? That means all people have dignity. All people have worth, whether they're saved or not. And that means God cares the way we treat other people. You know, the Jews were so cloistered from everybody, and God told them, don't eat with these people, and don't intermarry with these people, and get yourself away from them, that they were like, oh, those Gentile dogs. You know, we don't talk to them. We don't eat with them. We don't. But that's different now. Why? Because of the cross. 
Now everyone who draws breath can have a relationship with God. Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That person that you don't like, that person whose behavior is rotten, you and I still have to love them and extend grace to them because potentially God could save them at any minute. So when it comes to relational peace, we need to begin with the relationships that are closest to us. In Acts 1.8, God gave us a, an evangelistic plan on how to reach people. He said, the power of the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you and what? You'll be my witnesses. And, and listen to this. Where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. What is that? That's, uh, you know, that whole thing moves in concentric circles. Jerusalem was home base. Then Judea, you see it gets wider. Uh, and then all the way to the outermost parts of the earth. So there is a, a, a system of evangelism that we were given which means we need to work at home first. What good is it to, you know, have a work going on in the Gambia when we're not reaching LaGrangeville? What, what good is it to build, you know, churches in the United States or help with this evangelistic effort and, and we're not reaching our community? You get that? That's not pleasing to the Lord. And so that same system he gave us for outreach is the same system he gave us for relationships. You and I need to work on the relationships that are closest to us first and work out from that center. Relational peace requires an investment of our time and energy. I'm gonna talk about that, but let's just think of our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria as it goes out like that. As a pastor, it would be foolish for me to reach the world with the gospel and people in my house are not saved. As a pastor, it would be foolish for me to go out and speak internationally and travel here and travel there when, you know, my staff and my family despise me. You say, Pastor, why do you say stuff like this? Because I've seen this in the ministry for decades. Oh, I'm going here, I'm going there, I'm, I'm going to reach this group, and we had a, you know, a tent meeting, and all these people got saved, but your wife is devastated. You, you, you don't spend any time with her. Your kids are angry with you because you don't spend any time with them. Oh, this is where the rubber hits the road here today. What good would it do for me to have a good name in the ministry or a good name in the community, you know, when, when, when my staff thinks I'm a jerk? You like that part, huh? Yeah, yeah. He, I give you permission. Everyone here, you can talk to my family. You can talk to my wife. You can talk to my staff and go, what's he really like? And they'll tell you. And I'm not scared. You, you know, we've got to take care of the people closest to us. We've got to have those relationships in order first. My wife is my first sheep. My sons are my sheep. They're, they're my priority to raise godly men, to have a godly marriage, amen? Relational peace. You know, I want to say this. If we continue to rob those who are closest to us of our time and energy, those relationships are going to come back to bite us. I can't tell you how many ministers I've seen fall because they didn't take care of their first sheep. And I learned what not to do from a lot of people. And I refuse, I refuse to let the important things go for the exterior things. I refuse to let my Jerusalem go 
so that I can be known in the outermost parts of the earth. Relational peace happens when we invest our time and energy in those who deserve it and those who are closest to us. Look, your spouse deserves your time and your energy. Your family deserves your time and your energy. Don't rob them of that, amen? There are so many people who are so busy, they miss this point. There was a little boy who had a father who was a big, well-known executive, and he made a lot of money. And he, the little boy said to his daddy one day as he's rushing off to work, he says, how much money do you make an hour? And his dad begins to tell him what he's worth. And, well, the boy said, well, how much is an hour of your time? And the dad came up with some big number, you know, to make himself feel important. So the little boy disappeared, and he came back with all his birthday cards and his piggy bank. And he cracked his piggy bank and he took out all the cards and he, he showed the pile of money to his dad. He said, how much of your time can I buy with this much? Wow. That gets real right away, right? We've got to give the time to the people that deserve it. Why? Because if we don't, our relationships won't be healthy. And if our relationships at the core of our life are not healthy, we will not have peace. I've seen people bury themselves in the ministry at the expense of these things, and they had no peace. And in the end, their marriages dissolved, their children were estranged for them, and their ministries were destroyed. Wow. You say, well, I'm not in ministry, but whatever relationships you have that God has given to you, they're important. So spend and invest the time and the energy. The last area of relational peace I want to talk about as I close is this. We need to have peace with our fellow man. Joe Q. Public, the people on the highway, and in Walmart, and at the grocery store. We need to have peace with our fellow man. Why? I just, you know, I'm just, you know, my brothers and sisters, the church. No, they're made in the image of God. God cares about them. We're supposed to be salt and light to them. You know, it's pretty interesting, depending on where you live, the the temperature or the, you know, the, the way of life can be different. I've noticed in New York uh, living in New York, people are pretty abrasive. Anybody? If you haven't noticed it, you need to maybe lower your medication a little bit. Um, but I've had people leave here and move to other places, and I'm going, what do you like about there? He's like, everybody's nice. You get to an intersection, and they're not trying to cut you off. They're like, you go. No, you go. No, you go. No, you all go. No, you all go. No, they're so nice, and they're, they're like, how are you today? You see people in the street, they're like, Good morning. Said, like, we're holding a wallet. We're trying to sidestep. <laughs> I said, what do you notice when you come back to New York? What's the first thing you notice? He said, hostility. Now, I've noticed this, too, as I begin to pay attention to that. And I want to encourage you something today as believers living here, that you and I need to get rid of the hostility. And we need to start being loving to people. Yes, yeah, some of the people might try and take you for a ride, or they might try and take advantage, but use your wisdom. But... Love is the foundation of everything in our Christian walk. Love is going to give us joy. Love is going to give us peace. So you and I got to lose the hostility. I know where we live. I know what it's like. But you and I are called to be different. So when it comes to having peace with our fellow man, Romans 12 gives us everything we need to know about it. Paul says this in Romans 12, 17 through 18. Never repay evil for evil to anyone. 
respect what is right in the sight of all people. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. There it is right there. You want to know what God expects from us as Christians uh, to get along with our fellow man so that we can have peace? We shouldn't repay evil for evil. You know, when, you know, when someone's nasty to you or they cut you off or they curse at you, you know, you don't, this might be a, a startling revelation. You don't have to do it back. Now I was on vacation, I was getting gas or going through a parking lot and I'm pulling out and someone in a big truck is backing up to, to hit me. So I just toot my horn. I didn't blast it. I didn't act like, I just like toot toot. And the guy hangs his head out the window and goes, don't pull through here. So I'm like, what, 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 could I, what should I do? Somebody said a bat. <laughs> you know, we have a choice right there. Now, we just laughed at him and made fun of him, but, you know, <laughs> you know, we have a choice to whether we're going to repay evil for evil, where, well, they were angry or they were mean, or so I'm going to get... Uh, that will rob your peace every time. You'll drive away, you'll, have a, you'll bark back, you'll do what you, and you're going to feel bad about it for three days. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is going to convict you. And so understand, the scripture says, don't repay evil for evil, but it also says as much as it depends or so far as it depends on you. So we do our best to love and get along with everyone. Now, let me just be real with you here. There's some people that you can't get along with. There's some people that you just can't make happy. There's some people that, you know, the Holy Ghost in you irritates the demons in them, and they're just never going to be, you know, they're, and you just do your best. And don't return evil for evil, and that'll please the Lord, and that'll protect your peace. You and I need that relational peace. We shouldn't be at odds with everyone. We shouldn't be, you know, abrasive. No, we should have the peace of God in our lives that passes all understanding. Peace with our fellow man. Peace within, psychological peace, and peace with God. Let's bow our heads today. Maybe you've been listening to this message and you're like, Pastor, I, I could identify with a lot of things that you're saying, but... You know what, I got stuck at the introduction in that first point there where we needed to make peace with God or we couldn't have it in any other areas. You might say, I, I've never come to Jesus and surrendered my life to him. And the Bible teaches that, you know, the way to get peace with God is to come to Christ and to surrender your life and to receive him personally as Savior and Lord. Romans says, if you confess him with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you would be saved. He made it so easy. He died for us. He, he died for our sins. So we come to him, confess we're sinners, receive him as Savior. And what does he do? He forgives us of our sins. He fills us with the Holy Spirit. He changes the trajectory of our eternity so that no longer are we lost and headed for hell, but we're headed for heaven because we've been redeemed by the Lamb. You say, what will happen if I surrender to Christ? Well, he'll forgive you and he'll save you and he'll put his peace in you. If you want a clean slate and a fresh start, if you want to be forgiven and be free once and for all, settling your eternity, I want to give you this opportunity to lift up your hand and say, I want to receive Jesus today. How many people need to do that? If you want to receive Jesus, just slip up your hand. Praise God.
God bless you back there. God bless you, sir. Don't miss this opportunity. Let's pray a prayer together. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner, and I know you're the Savior. So I receive you as my Savior, and I repent of my sin. I ask you to save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live a different life. From this moment forward, I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, welcome to the family of God. God bless you today. Amen. The angels are rejoicing. You say, you might be a skeptic and say, come on, can a little prayer like that change your life? Absolutely. There's so many of us in here that prayed that prayer. I prayed it when I was 14 years old. I've never been the same since. How many people prayed that prayer and, and received Jesus and your life's never been the same? Raise your hand. Amen, amen, amen. So I encourage you to take that packet we gave you and begin to walk with the Lord and pray and go to church where they teach the word of God. If you don't know one, I can give you a suggestion. But uh, we're glad that you're here and we're glad for that decision today. God bless you. Next week, God willing, we'll continue in the fruit of the Spirit. And this week, get some peace in your life. Amen. Pastor.